0: animal burials and it was a baby lion
1: yeah and small.
0: probably a baby lion that was bred in captivity So
1: they probably rearing some yes. of these animals yeah
0: yeah and it had the fur of the so we're thinking it, yeah, like crazy. ancient
1: egypt joe exotic
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yes. i haven't seen that and i'm not going don't, to don't it's I'm insane welcome to afterlives with kara cooney in which we discuss ancient Egyptian history and relevant current events that we think will be of interest to our audience. I am Kara Cooney, and I'm a professor of Egyptology at UCLA. This podcast is separate from my teaching and research roles at UCLA. In recent years, I've become active in communicating with the general public about the history of ancient Egypt through lectures, interviews, social media, books, and guest appearances. This podcast is my opportunity to take the kinds of deep dives into history that are not always possible in academic formats.
1: Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hope you're doing well. How have you been? I've been okay. It's been,
0: um, well, Ukraine got invaded, so that's been stressful. But to be honest, I've, you know, I'll read, I don't watch the news, and that helps me to not get yeah. as yeah, emotionally watching, freaked I've seen out. some
1: things I would prefer have not to see like what just some bodies and stuff oh they were just very forward with showing things and like yeah, yeah just stuff like that but
0: and then this week it, on campus was just madness it was madness it was like one of those weeks where I, like I didn't have a moment to even think mm-hmm. and getting through email right Amber oh my goodness, the email this week. It was just... And, and people needed me like right then. Mm-hmm. And it was...
1: Um, I feel like it's been crazy everywhere because even at my job, other job, mm-hmm. it's been crazy there. It's like everyone's kind of slowly coming back, yeah. I guess, from pandemic processes. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, so, and, and there's just not enough people to do all the work that we
1: have to do. It's too yeah, much. Yes, 100% that. It's too much. hmm
0: So... So I'm okay, and I'm supposed to be trying to finish my recycling for death, and I keep trying to carve out time, but it's it's not it's not easily done. Yeah. And you know th- this thing is supposed to be done by my birthday. That's what we said that I would have the whole draft done by my birthday, and I, I just there's a, just little pieces I need to put together. There's not much left for mm-hmm. me to finish the goddamn draft by my birthday. But I, I, it's really hard for me to put it all together. So I I feel like doing
1: that higher level thinking, it's hard to just be like, oh, I have an hour. Like, let me just fit it in. You need like, you know, a sustained part of the day. Because you have to get into
0: it. Where did I leave off? What? And then you have to read through what you've done. And then you Mm -hmm. get into a part that's difficult and... It's um, and and I'm still working with like should this even be in this order in terms of chapters? Yep. Maybe I should switch the order of chapters and start with the 17th and 18th rather than starting with the 21st. Why am I starting with the 21st? So I may have to switch that, and Kylie will be like, "Oh great, now I have to rename everything." You yeah, know, the she page will. Numbers and yes, figures numbers exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. She'll be like, "God damn it, Kara!" And I'll be like, "I'm sorry, but you know, yeah, it'll it'll be fine."
1: Yes. Yeah, how are, are you like doing? Good. I actually was able to do some dissertation Yay. work, Yay. so that was good. Got it back into things, so yeah. yeah. I think um, a lot of my heavy workload that I had from my other job should be calming down, mm-hmm. so I think I'll have some more time to be able to spend on that. So it was like managing four grants getting submitted, so that's insane. Yeah. Do they pay you for extra time? How does it work? Um. I never really go over my hours, okay. so it's more that I just sometimes have to work outside of my like set hours, mm-hmm. but I make sure I never go over. So okay. that's fine. Um, yeah, otherwise I'm good. Just the Ukraine stuff is, you know, bothering me, but it sh- as as it should, I guess. Yeah. So
0: yeah, if it didn't bother us, then what's the mm-hmm. point? Like
1: inhuman. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um, but we do have some housekeeping oh, things go for to it. bring up. So we've started...
0: You know I'm not going to do it. You have no idea what the housekeeping is. <laughs>
1: well, I made a list. that's, okay, only, you know, that's great. I'm going off my list. Um, so we started our Substack yes. page, and it's entitled um, Afterlives After Party. It's so cute. I love so, it. And so how did this come about? We were, we were, What were we thinking?
0: Well, we were thinking that as Facebook potentially dies mm-hmm. and we witness its death in in real time, and as Instagram is connected to Facebook and you can't really have conversations there anyway. Yeah. And as Twitter can be um, a really mean place to hang out sometimes and, you know, kind of death-threaty, um, you know, as, as, and, and as you see the, the owners of these things, the powers that be decide whether or not people can see them anyway. And mm-hmm. since I'm not, we're not paying for this stuff, how, how can you get your word out there? And that's why this podcast was created, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, well, we have a lot to say and what we have to say and how we want to say it isn't necessarily conducive to the, the world of socials. Yeah. And as we watch social media quickly change, we felt we, we had some things that we could communicate in a written form with comments that cut down on the polarization and cut down on some of the meanness that's out there on the social media.
1: Well, and like Facebook, all these algorithms of Mm -hmm. how and why people see what they do on their feeds Mm -hmm. and this, so this is more, you know, if you're really interested in what Kara has to say, what I have to say, Amber's gonna be contributing as well. If you're interested, and we'll have guest posts probably too, if you're really interested in hearing you know, some well thought out posts, um, you know, they'll be researched and supported and all this type of stuff, too. So you can subscribe to those and get them sent directly to you. So mm-hmm. we're looking to kind of cultivate a um, like a, a different kind a of readership, audience, a and audience where they actually like really want to be engaged and involved and can comment. And like I'll post
0: an amazing link to an amazing news story that I found mm-hmm. and it'll get 50 likes and yep. no one will see it. And I'm like, well, that's really sad, but because it didn't blow up within the first two minutes, that's it; it's dead. Yep. And I can like make a comment and try to save it, but it's just annoying to have to do all of that. Why don't I save all my awesome links for this Substack yep. and then tell people to follow the Substack, and then they can they can find the content on a weekly basis. We maybe will have a midweek post or mm-hmm. something like that, yep. and it'll be a way for us to say, this is what we're doing this week. This is what's going on. Yeah, it might and be
1: something we're researching, and yeah. we're like, this is really interesting. Yeah, you know. My ears, my musings on it. It might be longer posts. It could be short. Like I read this really cool article. Check it out. Yeah. Type of post. Yeah. A little range. Or
0: this um, is what we're talking about in grad seminar yeah. this week. You mm-hmm. know, this is this like was the big question. Article. Exactly. Yeah. Um, post a, a link to an academic article if it's out there on the interwebs, freely available. So yep. th- there's there's good stuff out there, and it's hard to know what that specialized content is if you're not a part of that mm-hmm. subculture. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Continuing to our demystification, yeah, right. To bring people in yeah. in a different way yeah. and let them engage. I agree. The other big news is we have new recording equipment, I know. which we're using right now. And I just
0: cleared my throat, and I guess that means you can edit that out if you I, want to yeah. get really so, over the top. So I go. If I go <clears throat> you can just I clear go that through out
1: because I've noticed this is nothing against you. You take very loud intakes of breath. <laughs> <laughs> When you like, but just when you're talking yes. and you're like, I don't know, taking just another breath, it's, and it sounds always like picks giant up. like a Yeti. So like... I always go through and I, you I do? do too. I do, I do. Amber's have...
0: laughing. She's, a, the Schadenfreude <laughs> is strong with her. But I edit out all of our breathing. So what I would
1: like to, s- yeah. Yeah, okay. I edit out all of our intakes of breath and things like this. Okay. So you can take as loud and heavy breathing as you want. And I will just edit it out. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, Amber. Will you go inside? In in their fridge, there's a bottle of wine, and um, in the fr- yeah, she, she she was
1: asking if you wanted water. Water's fine too, but there's but, wine. But she's like, but wine. I guess we're gonna have
0: party wine. of people over a party of people party of people paper. party okay, over later. Water. What do you want, wine or water?
1: Um, One thirty. You do wine. Okay, do
0: wine. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Amber. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. We just paused for one. We
1: paused. Okay, so we have our new equipment which we're using right now. Yes, it's super, super fancy. Exciting. Got a mixer because apparently I'm always quiet and I am always loud, so we can mix our our audio separately to make sure we're at the same volume. And apparently, and, I do
0: deep intakes of breath. Yes, it's fine.
1: Or we can have, this mixer also has cool options where we can have someone call in on the phone and we can have it mix. Or from the Zoom call on the computer. Okay, great. And keep every audio file separate, so.
0: Because Zoom is going to be the way to to invite most guests, I think. Yeah. That would be cleverly done. Yep.
1: And we got our little clip mics here, so it should be, hopefully this is better audio overall. Um, and thanks to everyone for sticking with us throughout the process. I've been listening to a couple other podcasts where people are like, oh, I'm starting from your first video. And it's like, no, don't, because our audio is so poor as you're like figuring out, you know, how to, what we need and how to make this work. Yeah. Um. What else? But I think otherwise, that's all of our news. So it's, it's
0: it's a lot going on. I think it's stuff. great. Yeah. In in some ways, it seems like more work, but in other ways, you know, all the things that I've been doing on the social media for the last, really, since 2006, 2007, um, I've had social media going for a while. And if I just take that energy and put more of it into the Substack, Mm -hmm. then we'll create something new that's less dependent on others. Once you get the
1: workflow, it's like starting a new habit. Mm -hmm. It's like maybe a little bit more work up front, but once we get in the rhythm of it and... Get in that flow. Yeah. I think it will be pretty easy. I agree. And if you don't feel like you have to write something big, it can be a short little, you know, pull the quote, your favorite quote from this article, mm-hmm. and have a little paragraph discussing mm-hmm. it. Does not need to be these blog posts?
0: Well, and a lot of people have said that they don't like podcasts. They don't have time to listen. They don't have space to listen, mm-hmm. but they can read and they yep. want to read. It's the same with me consuming my news by reading, but not by watching. So mm-hmm. I do get that. And you may not want to listen to me and Jordan blather on. Um, so you can you can listen to stuff that we write,
1: yeah. And we'll have a conversation. Well, there. we can this like be fun. post stuff from our show notes from the episodes, so they can be related to our episodes as well. So mm-hmm. if you don't like listening to podcasts or don't have time, you could still maybe get the essence of what we're talking about in a different formula. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so this episode should probably be reaching everyone in the month of April. Okay. Um, We're recording this in end of February, but as our time schedule has played out, it should be in February, so hopefully around Earth Day. So we're doing maybe an Earth Day-themed episode. Um, And so as everyone's aware, uh, I hope so, you know, the planet is undergoing crazy environmental changes. We're seeing, you know, super wet, cold streaks in the Northeast. It's super dry and hot here. Now it's kind of cold. All this, like, crazy weather um obviously human-caused. Mm-hmm. So then it got me thinking about ancient Egypt and what how did the ancient Egyptians interact with their environment? How did their environment act upon them? Which we could talk about your new article coming out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what resources were available to them, what was living like what was living in Egypt like at the time. You know, um, how did they impact their landscape positively and negatively? What are, like, climate change can we see in their historical record? Um, you know, we can look at geography, materiality, all these, all these good, more theoretical topics. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to dive on into that for the rest of the episode. Sounds great. Super exciting. Yeah. Awesome.
0: You know, you know I love geography. You know that when I teach women in power, I always start with a map. Does mm-hmm. it still work that way in the no. class? It does no. start with a map. I don't know. I don't no. watch the videos and I've
1: forgotten. That's still your same video. So. Okay, good.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I think we human beings like to pretend that we are uh, separate from our environment, that we can control our environment, that we're not dependent on our environment. Yeah. And it's uh, important to remember that social formation and systems of power are formed within an environment. And you get different systems based on the geography and, and the place that you're in. Yeah. What's
1: well, the very like nature versus nurture? Mm-hmm. Like nature isn't just like your parents raising you. It's no. everything around you, including actual nature, um, affecting the culture and the systems. And-
0: and, yeah. And you know that in the Women in Power class, I link geography, nature, whatever you want to call it, directly to female power or Mm -hmm. the lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And that there are places on the planet where the geography lends itself to allowing more female power uh, vis-a-vis the males in their society and other places that that really strip women of any autonomy whatsoever, Mm -hmm. and they become rather slave-like in their existence in in certain places.
1: What David Graeber's book, Debt, argues that women are... One of the first, like commodified, you yeah. know, objects yeah. is humans, yeah, including women. So yeah. get yeah into that. Well, so I'll, we can go into this more later because I have some more questions. Yeah, it's fine. About it's that, it's fine. Go, go in your order. Starting really broadly, mm-hmm. just for if people don't know, um, what is Egypt like, hmm. and we can talk about Egypt. For the ancient Egyptians, and we can mm-hmm. talk about Egypt now because I do want Two to get into very some more things. modern topics, the high dams and stuff. I want to bring mm-hmm, up a little later. Mm-hmm. The Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, we'll yeah. get into a little later, and how this will change things. How that changed the Nile. Yeah. So I guess we can talk about maybe quick Egypt today, and then go back into e- ancient Egypt. What are, you know? What are the differences?
0: Right. Well, Egypt today is is very much like Pacific Northwest America, in which you have a dam that controls what was a very organic and seasonal mm-hmm. rising and falling level of the river and a moving bank. Um, there, it was yeah. never ever locked shifting. down, ever yeah. shifting, exactly. And, you know, now that it's been controlled and you have the the Aswan High Dam, you you have that water that's controlled, tightly controlled, And the Nasser, Lake Nasser, is your reservoir. And you pull out the water that you need, Mm -hmm. um, never too much, never too little. And sometimes you have seasonally low Niles still because you're still dependent upon the Blue Nile and the Ethiopian highlands and all of that. Exactly, monsoons coming from Southern Asia, Central Asia. But it's it's created an environment that is riverine. And you have your river versus your Mm -hmm. desert, Mm -hmm. right? yeah there's a lot of egypt that's now in the desert particularly Mm -hmm. now as they're building purposefully in the desert but so you still have a river environment yeah but it's a river environment that's concretized yeah um stabilized you don't have floods yeah and you have fertilizer and you have high levels of salt
1: human yeah. yeah which is why the nile was so amazing back before all this, because the inundations would get rid of the salts. The soil was always, you know, so fertile and perfect and you couldn't overuse it, Yeah, right? So, and you could have multiple growing seasons in a year. You know, this fresh, perfect stuff. And now you have to really- It was like made for human agriculture. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And if you don't have fertilizer in Egypt now, you're not going to have a crop. It's Mm -hmm. not going to, it's not going to work because it's the same earth, same earth. And all of of that silt that used to create the Delta is now just being kept back behind the dam at Lake Nasser, and the delta is eroding. Mm-hmm. So Egypt is getting smaller, kind of like Louisiana is getting yeah. smaller. Um, so yeah, there, there's all crazy. kinds of issues in modern Egypt in terms of living along this river. And then the the other thing you see in Egypt today is that they're making the desert green. So the extent of a an irrigated land mm-hmm. keeps being pushed and pushed and pushed with... Um, uh, irrigation and and pipes and all kinds of things, wells wells, that can get the water further and further out. Mm -hmm. And we know this because we work in desert areas. That's where most of the archaeology is. And you're like, wait, they're farming here?
1: Yeah. Jeff has this crazy story working at Hierocompolis. Yeah. And in the wadi leading out to the Royal Cemetery, it's green because there's a town way back in the desert and they've like raised the water table to get the town water and it's like making all this like green come up where you know there was green back in ancient ancient egypt but not traditionally part of um the landscape and yeah it's changing and it's like you know you're torn because you're like yeah people need water people need housing egypt is a huge country has a huge population yeah but then you're like it's at the cost of what yeah yeah it's hard
0: yeah it is hard. hard
1: Um, okay, so then looking at ancient Egypt, so we mentioned the Nile, mm-hmm. so it's a very riverine focused um, culture. We have the delta, which is a delta, um, marshy. It's, it's,
0: yeah, it's a very dense yeah. green that's hard to traverse, you know. It's um, like water. There are roads there now, but still mm-hmm. it's... they're not, still it's, getting it's, around in the delta. You hard. still
1: have to go like, you can't grow like as the crow flies. It's like all these back-assward yeah. ways. And yeah. It takes like way much longer. To get anywhere. Um, no, and, and you
0: can only imagine what it was like in the ancient world when, the, oh, when yeah. half the place was flooded. Good mm-hmm.
1: luck. Yeah. Yeah, so we, and then we have the desert. Mm-hmm. So we all know that. Fertile Valley. Okay. So then, how did the Egi- ancient Egyptians refer and think about their land? So we have like a bunch of terms, we have a bunch of kind of ontological understandings of the land and their land and how it works. Um, yeah, how do they conceptualize the land of, of Egypt?
0: Yeah, well, what what do you see as the big separation? Well, I see
1: Kemet and Jesseret. Yeah, right. So black land Kemet. Yeah. Versus red land Jazer. Jesser, yeah. Jesseret. meaning the desert. So red desert, black fertile soil.
0: And the this this is why I have a problem with saying Kemetology rather mm-hmm. than Egyptology because then you're excluding. The desert. Desert cultures, desert peoples, nomadic peoples, um, mm-hmm. which is an important part of Egypt. And those two things um, have if to only, go together.
1: If, well, and like, as you said earlier, all the funerary stuff's out in the desert. So if you're mm-hmm. only looking at the valley, there's not much left. Right. The Nile has.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that the Egyptians like to think in terms of binaries. Mm-hmm. So you get your Blackland versus Redland. You get your Delta versus Nile Valley. So I was going
1: to do Upper versus Lower Egypt. Upper versus Lower,
0: exactly. You've got your Mediterranean coast versus a river sort of Mm -hmm. landscape. You've got the river that has cataracts, those big granite boulders in the middle of them, versus the river that doesn't. Um, You've got the Egypt that's got a limestone bedrock, which is most of Egypt, um, and then you've got the further south, where it's got a sandstone bedrock. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like that's a big deal, except that sandstone is harder. And so sandstone creates a higher, deep, uh, higher, more shallow channel. And, and I'm not a river expert, so I apologize if I get this a little wrong, but you don't have a vast expanse yeah. of agricultural land in the way the, that you do with the
1: limestone. Not a wide limestone. river exactly. it's much tighter.
0: Yeah, and so then you don't have as much agriculture. When, it, when there's yeah, sandstone? Yeah, it's like cliffs
1: and then river. Exactly. There's not a lot of valley pl- floodplain. And that flood means you don't, you don't have as, yes,
0: your floodplain is smaller, yeah. so you don't have as many people. Mm-hmm. And that means that the place where there's limestone bedrock is going to be much more populated than the place where there's sandstone bedrock, and that's Egypt versus Nubia. Mm-hmm. And that population matters when it comes to colonialism and power uh, imbalances and, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah. I, too, I want to, I feel like it's... Uh, Big point to touch on is the inundation mm-hmm. and how that works, and how important the flood was, and how they conceptualized kind of time. Yeah. I think even so much by the flood, right? Calendars you see, the start of the new year was when the flood ended. Right. Um, they watched for when certain stars rose to right. know the flood was starting. Right. So the very thing that allowed them to live there, this flood was, you know, very much ran their lives, you know. And isn't it ridiculous that
0: you and I have to learn about this from books, that we've never experienced it, that no living Egyptian Mm -hmm. has experienced it? It's not something that, that we can feel like you know, when you're a little kid, you have to learn the names of the months and this is November and they give you a little picture with the leaves falling and everything's in autumn, autumnal color. And you're like, okay, that's November. And then you live it and you're like, oh, it's November. Mm -hmm. And we can read about these things in books, but we can't experience what it was like. And that's obviously super frustrating for most Egyptologists. I don't think it's necessarily frustrating for most Egyptians because while that seasonality is... Is a beautiful geographic reality to clean things out, to grow the delta, to create sustainability. I think when you're talking about private ownership of property and uh, maintaining your household yeah. and all of these things, that kind of seasonality and upheaval from flooding can be very destabilizing for, oh, yeah. for a population, especially in yeah. a globalized society yeah. where you want to be yeah. kind
1: of on the same timetable as everyone yes. else. And, yes. Yeah.
0: Because so. e- it means Egyptian time. If you're under, if if the flood is, to, there's no flood and there's no water, you're not really going anywhere. And and everyone just kind of sits there and waits. You can't really yeah. farm. You can't do anything. Or you have to move
1: your house. Yeah. Right. I remember reading it was something about Western Thebes pre-High Dam. Mm-hmm. And it was like how people were living near the Ramseum. And yeah. when the flood came, it would flood up to the and So they have to move back. And they were, you know, staying in some of the nobles' tombs. But it was like that back and forth, you know, cyclically. That that
0: Egypt was always semi-nomadic in some way because that was just the way that it had to Mm be. Or you had to
1: stay on the little gazirahs, the little turtlebacks. And only the
0: rich people got to get that high ground. Mm -hmm. And the temples were on that high ground. And you knew if people didn't have to move their home that they were very wealthy versus others.
1: And you probably just every... You know, once whatever, whenever the inundation happened, you would just pack your bags and yeah. go up into the hills.
0: And then the idea that when, well, let's start with the flood, right? Yeah. Let's and and this is something that I've had to read about in books, and then I you try to imagine it, but without having lived it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. But let's we'll do it anyway. So, come end of June, yep. I think, into July is yep. when the first waters start to bubble up in the and springs rises. and yeah. So there's there's a little bit of. Um, of, of some tells, and, mm-hmm. and there are texts about this. There are, there are holy places in Thebes in particular. I'm mm-hmm. sure there were all around Egypt, but I know, we know of these most in Thebes because so much of what we study is, is from this place because of preservation. That there were certain springs that would start to get active mm-hmm. when the, the Nile flood was coming. on its way, yeah. coming, exactly. The ground table was rising, floodwaters were coming, and then... Come August, September, those were now flooding the banks mm-hmm. and bringing all of that silt with it. Yep. And people just kind of stopped doing... In some ways, people stopped doing everything. In some ways, people did all kinds of other things. So you had a big shift yeah. in what you, you would do. Because you couldn't farm anymore because no. everything was
1: flooded. So right. maybe you could go help build King's yeah. Pyramid <laughs> yeah. or other things out into the, into the deserts where your labor could be put to yeah. different use.
0: And it was a really good... A time, I've argued in that article you were mentioning Mm -hmm. in the social history book, when there is a flood, maybe not too much flood, but a flood that makes it so that you can get around the Nile really, really easily with a big barge. It's a good time to collect taxes. Mm -hmm. It's a good time to reconnect all of these places that low Nile allows local life to continue. Mm -hmm. It allows local rulers to rule without being watched over by the dominant um, court society yeah. and and it allowed um, more independent decision making. When that Nile floods and you can have army boats going up and down the Nile, you can have the king's mm-hmm. barge and his lieutenants and viziers going up and down that, that Nile, it brings everyone under the power of the king again. Yeah, it's
1: a perfect time for campaign. Yeah. Right. A bunch of If you don't have a standing army, that's when most of the men would be free Yes. to be... Uh... Yeah,
0: so you could send boats up and down and say, how many men from this village? Mm-hmm. Put them on board. We're right here we're right now. We're going. And we're a bunch of soldiers, so we're going to kick your asses if you don't yep. give us your young men. And then you bring those guys up, up north or down south, depending yep. on who you're Wherever invading you're at the time. Um, it's a good time to move big rocks.
1: Good time to move big stones. Yeah, if
0: you're building pyramids or colossal statues, yep. whatever it is you're doing...
1: Maybe going even into the desert, again, on mm-hmm. this, like, sort of expedition, Yeah, even.
0: Probably a good time to have lots of sex and, and create babies. the next generation. Yeah. Yes, it's Free time. Yeah. But then way. when they take all your men, you know. Yeah, that's not good. Because there's draft labor. Probably mm-hmm. every flood, there was draft labor. Who are they going to take? How is it going to work?
1: can get divvied up somehow. hmm Yeah. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Okay. So then
1: it's flooded for how long? Like three months? Mm-hmm. And it's weird, too, because it's, like, when we think of the seasons, like, winter being when you don't, Mm -hmm. winter being, like, November through March, excuse me, when you don't have any farming. That's, like, when the Egyptians would be farming. Right. It's kind of It is opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, a couple months of flood through, like, summer.
0: The mosquitoes must have been brutal. Yes.
1: In, like, September. And then you'd have probably some... Disease break Yeah, malaria. Always of in course. Like our early fall. Mhm. Yeah.
0: And so, then
1: so throughout the winter.
0: But th- so throughout the fall, well, the waters recede by when are we going to say like October, November? November? Yeah. yeah. And it depends. If it's yeah. if it's too much water, it takes too long for Just the that you waters get to the plants recede. In. You can't get your seeds in on time, and you're going to have a shorter harvest because that flood's going to come again. Yeah. And if you can't get your two harvests in there, too bad for you. Yep. Um, so a flood that stays around for too long can be just as devastating in terms of weak one. starvation and famine mm-hmm. as as the the, the weak yep. one. Okay, so then the Nile water recedes. You got to wait for shit to dry out. Yep. It's um, you it's a like... sopping wet mess. Yeah, And the sun is strong, so it'll start to dry things out. You need to save some of that water for your second growing season.
1: Which we'll talk about a little later, like yeah. basins and canals yeah. and all this good stuff. Right, or... more
0: mosquitoes. Yeah, And then you start to plant your seeds. And the planting of seeds in Egypt is super easy. You barely have to plow. You just you throw, throw that shit out there. And then out let the there. cows
1: walk on top of it. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. and your kids. Yeah, anyone.
0: And Goats, hmm. And then a couple, couple months later, you've got some nice kernels of grain mm-hmm. or, or strands of flax, flax or, grains, um, you millet, probably, grow, barley. yeah, millet, barley, grow some onions and yeah. lentils, Vegetables. maybe chickpeas, Chickpeas definitely. um, eggplant, mm-hmm. um, no tomatoes, no potatoes. No, Don't put these things world. in there. Yep. Yeah. So then you harvest your first crop. What do we say? December,
1: December, January. Yeah. I would say like our winter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and then for Maybe your second later. one, yeah. so you probably put your really good shit in there for that first crop. You're you're looking for wheat and barley, and it's Amr Shahat's work yep. that's proven that the even the words for Upper Egyptian and Lower Egyptian have to do with the wheat yep. and the quality of the wheat. So what's the word for for Lower Egyptian? Shema. Or up, oh, that's upper. upper. Yeah, Upper, and, and it means
1: just up. Well, we just always say we it. we say Upper it, Egyptian, Egyptian barley, but it means griff. thin. Oh, because the same as it's linen too. Yes, they it means for linen too. It means
0: thin or ah, or bare, I never connected like the two. anemic yeah. is a word I like. Because
1: and, yeah,
0: it's want, like sad. Want, they yeah. don't have as much water. And delta barley, lower Egyptian, is what is you want. Mehu, yeah, and it is fat. It is nice, fat, juicy kernels mm-hmm. of grain where your beer or your bread is going to be. You know, more bountiful. That's the that's, oh, that's the grain you want. They never yeah.
1: put shemla together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's super cool. Um, and and so you're going to have different qualities, different output from Delta yeah. to Nile Valley. And different parts of the Nile Valley are going to produce different kinds of wheat. Yeah. I'm sure they had different reputations and different too. seeds and different Middle things. Middle Egypt
1: still has the reputation for being like the linen producing. Yeah. So it's argued that it was... Back Lots then, of as well. Flowers and perfumes. Yeah, flowers, perfumes. Yeah. And I always wonder, like, the difference between, like, gardens, like, mm-hmm. what was grown more, like, by household mm-hmm. versus, like, large, kind of mass production of, like, wheat and right. other grains.
0: Because you're not going to grow, like, a whole you don't need acre like, of onions. You don't need that much yeah. space.
1: And yeah. I feel like that's people probably growing their own onions, so, like, in a mm-hmm. personal plot or something. Yeah, I think so. Versus. And you have cultivation of trees. You have mm-hmm.
0: arbor land Dates. for sycamore and acacia, local woods. You have date palms, date of palms. course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, a lot so. of,
1: and a lot of these plants, non-native Egyptian, right? They're importing a lot of them at, from very long times ago, right, to Egypt, right? This I don't know as well,
0: but from what I understand, the wheat and barley both come from West Asia, right? Flax too. Flax too. Um, and I think the lentils
1: and chickpeas as well. Mm-hmm. I think most everything.
0: I don't know about the onions.
1: I don't know about onions.
0: But yeah, the the agriculture is all introduced mm-hmm. from the Fertile Crescent, so yep. called, uh, the Levant, and then I think Anatolia. Some
1: of the, the animals are are homegrown domesticates. Oh but, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's been some more reasons. The water some buffalo some and stuff like that. Some the cow breeds, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always hard too because like I know the flax more that are... That there's like a native flax to Egypt that's wild. Yeah. And then when you first see domestic flax, it's of the Near Eastern variety, but it's like not to say that, you know, they never domesticated the Egyptian native wild variety well, or like crossbred them together or something like this. And
0: flax is also one of those things that grows best with a it shit, ton water. Water. Yes. shit ton it of water. Yeah. Shit ton of water. like
1: almost like rice patties. Yes. Yeah.
0: And that means that having flax to wear means you come from an incredibly wet place. And most people are living with wool and woolen clothing. Mm -hmm. And that's the norm. And having flax is, it's just a wonderful thing that the Egyptians are always showing themselves in their tomb scenes and temple scenes wearing linen. That is
1: their... Everywhere else in the Mediterranean, you can't grow a lot of linen. You can't create it.
0: And Mm -hmm. it's an Egyptian... It's it's kind of just screaming wealth and Mm -hmm. wetness and fecundity. Yes, fecundity. Yeah. Yeah, a a different kind of geography. Um, What you wear is always defined by geography. Any place
1: with rain-fed agriculture doesn't. Like even like if you think of modern-day flax, like where does flax grow really well? It's like Ireland, you know, like really wet places. Belgium, you know, you think of like northern Europe. That's like where. The finest flax comes from nowadays because it's really, really wet. Isn't
0: that interesting?
1: So if you're thinking of, like, places that have rain, rain, rain-fed rain agriculture, mm-hmm. like, it's not Greece or the mm-hmm. Near East or anything like this, West Asia. They and when Egyptians form
0: their identity based on this geography, they think of people wearing wool as other, mm-hmm. as something strange. Not that they didn't ever wear wool in their daily lives because, you know, Egypt gets cold like anywhere else. Yeah. And linen is not going to deal with that chill. It's wool will. Just in their wool. stereotypes of... Yeah. The other. yeah but it's a it's a good way of of making sure that egyptianness is is clearly identified well and
1: what's the term for rain
0: um
1: like how does in the hymn akhenaten's hymn to the Aten? i don't know what's the term it's called like the nile from the sky because like they don't oh. conceptualize this water as coming from the sky they think of it as the nile it's the word
0: yitteru yeah i think yeah you drew in pet or we something. I have to and look. Throw it
1: in the show notes. But I know that's, that's cool. the metaphor to describe rain is huh. like the Nile in the sky because it doesn't really rain in mm-hmm. Egypt.
0: Well, it didn't used to. Now it yes. rains in Egypt well, because you have Lake Nasser and you have you have a different kind of, of the climate patterns in Egypt. Are changing, yeah. yeah, water patterns are changing significantly, mm-hmm. and we can. I'm sure we'll get to that. But. Yep. But okay, wait. Going back, so we we've had our first harvest, probably yep. more grain, but. People can write in and let us know if if you would throw other stuff in there and and linen, flax and other things. And then your next harvest, isn't that supposed to be more a little bit of grain, but then um, fodder for the animals and things like that, like alfalfa? You probably won't get as probably. Is alfalfa native to? I don't
1: know. That's what we grow here. Yeah. Like, everything's like alfalfa, like background. I know
0: they grow alfalfa in Egypt today, but yeah. what I don't know is if it's an it's invasive native or yeah. native or what what if it's they grew question. it in ancient in ancient times. But you would grow a lot of greenery to feed your animals, mm-hmm. get through the time when you don't have a lot of
1: for the next inundation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um and then that you're gonna harvest and start storing in June. Yeah. And the and the flood's gonna come again. It's gonna be quick. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: So and when does Sirius rise?
1: Well, it must be in... Late like June. Late June. Yeah. Late June or early July. Late June, July. Yeah. There's that... That's that one cool Hyksos text mm-hmm. um, where they're charting the rise of Sirius, Sothis, to predict the coming of the flood. Yeah,
0: in Egyptian, it's Sopdet, the yeah. sharp one, associated with the goddess. Mm-hmm. Not the dog star associated with the god Sirius. That's a more Greek understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: like, important because if you didn't, you need, you know, to project your calendar and assume what plant, mm-hmm. what taxes are going to be coming mm-hmm. in based off the grain and stuff, you need to know when the inundation's coming in. Yeah. And if it's a bad one, you need to plan accordingly. And, and the
0: taxes must have been conditional on that.
1: Oh, it would be based off the type of Flood inundation. you had, right? Was it a good one? Then we we're expecting higher crop yields. Was it was a bad one, either too little or too much then we have to, you know.
0: But I think it's cool that there's nilometers all over the place. Mm-hmm. There's not like one nylometer where they're like, this is the this nylometer is the we're using nylometer. for ta- taxes. Yeah. Everyone has to get in line. No, there's a nylometer in Karnak. There's a nylometer in that temple. There's a nylometer in that place. Almost as if people need to see I, it with their own yeah. eyes. Right? I, like,
1: I like the idea that there, or there might be like disputes. Uh-huh. Like, well, ours said this. Yeah. You know.
0: You can't ask that for mm-hmm. me. You're just going to come with some number because like, here I the flood was not so great, yeah. you know.
1: Oh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it wasn't equal across the entire. I mean, Egypt's huge, so maybe you needed multiple. Yeah, to reach or something like this. Or
0: I like to think of what it was like when the Nile is flooded. It's like. Late September, and the waters start to recede, and everyone's like, Okay, we're gonna get ready for farming. They're waiting for things to dry off, and they start to draw lines. And They're like, This mm-hmm. is my
1: shit. Yep. That's your start shit. Start measuring the plot. And then people out. are like,
0: That is not your shit. This is my mm-hmm. shit. And that's my landing. You get the hell off. And then there's disputes, and then maybe an institution like the temple comes in, and It'd they're like, funny No, that's to ours. See if and, we could oh chart my God.
1: That. Like, if any of the you, temple, how could you? You know, the oracle text, if there was like dates, and yeah. be like, Do they all happen like in September, right when they're
0: because you know with date palms, people inherit date palms, mm-hmm. and they're like well, that. They yeah, and they and they give forever. them to their children, and that's their date palm. And if they do that with date palms, to do that with an aurora of land, that's a big deal. But mm-hmm. how do you decide whose is whose? Yep. And then you realize that that the Nile receding is the time for the strong men with many sons to come around and be like, "This is ours." Well,
1: and because the Nile was so fluid, the land would always be kind of different mm-hmm. than the year before, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not like, you know, the plot is going to be exactly the same shape and yeah. size. It might, you know, be a little, they might have a little bit more silt and build up or less. And-
0: but it means you had a yearly seasonal bullying contest potentially going mm-hmm. on and I think that means that Egyptians, you know, people can only stand so much bullying and constant fighting. and they're just like, "Ugh, can we stop? And there was, I think, a human reaction to that constant bullying to just be like, you know what, can we just get somebody in charge of all of this?
1: Can the and temple we'll, just do all this? Can the temple <laughs> do this?
0: Or can, can our, you know, local landlord, yeah, strong, the, you know, Lord the gnome. Grantley or whatever Gnom come mark. in and just yeah. tell us what to do? And we'll just work for him. We'll just share a crop. And we'll just draw it anew each year. And we don't have to fight with each other every time because it's a disaster. And maybe there's too much bloodshed over the years. And they're just like, let's not. And so you get a whole lot of sharecropping. Mm -hmm. uh, Very few, very wealthy landowners, either institutions or no marks. Yeah, that's true. And and that creates a whole different kind of society. A whole different kind of society compared to rain-fed agriculture and and people with their own plots. Uh, passing those plots down to the next generation. Um, And then you get into sexual control, and there's a whole lot Mm -hmm. more sexual control in those places where people own their plots, they know what they are, they're going to give them to the next generation, versus Egypt where they don't don't do that.
1: So we talked about all the plants Egyptians were growing, um, all those resources, touched upon different animal resources, you know, cattle, goats, sheep. Pigs.
0: Yeah. Your cattle and your pigs would be more in the wet areas. Your sheep and goat would be more in the dry areas. Mm -hmm. There there would be some intermingling sometimes, but your sheep and goat, you don't want those around your your cultivated stuff. They're going to just eat things they shouldn't be eating. Yeah.
1: I mean, maybe bring them in after everything's picked and Mm -hmm. they can pick up the little bits. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fatten them up, then you have a big
0: slaughter and Mm -hmm. you you go to town.
1: Yep. Yeah. So thinking (laughs) of mineral resources. Okay. So... The desert, though seemingly maybe very hostile to human life, right. has a lot of key resources for the Egyptians. So we have countless numbers of types of stone yeah. available: granite, sandstone, limestone, uh, nice, um,
0: calcite, Egyptian alabaster. Like so many different types of
1: stone. Yeah. And then we have you know semi precious and precious gems: turquoise,
0: carnelian,
1: amethyst. Yep. All these. Available and then we have you know mineral mining resources copper
0: I greenstone guess, greenstone malachite yeah, yeah. gray wacky
1: um, wacky and then the gold and
0: the copper that's a part of that mm-hmm. yeah
1: so an abundance um, of, of resources yeah available
0: and really pretty nice yeah. strong resources sandstone that can bridge t- uh, wide expanses mm-hmm. for for ceiling structures that's how you build the great hypostyle hall using mm-hmm. sandstone for instance. Or Amenhotep III's solar court, and you have that colonnade going around. You need sandstone to do that. Yeah. Um, you also have salt. Yeah,
1: and people Different always salt. People forget how necessary salt is to yes. human life. Gotta have salt,
0: um, not <laughs> just to make things taste good, yeah. but for like electrolytes to preserve so things. Don't preserve goiter. Yes. You need your iodine.
1: Yeah, your iodine.
0: Um, Preserve your fish Mm
1: because we didn't talk about fish in the Nile. Yes, fish. Yeah.
0: So you're gonna salt fish. Some of some of it you're gonna eat fresh. If you're living along the Mediterranean, you're probably gonna have to bring in. maybe not. You just get sea salt, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. You make it yourself. And there's natron salts, yes, which is a different kind. What
1: is in natron, Amber? What's in natron? It's, it's like more like baking soda. Yeah, it's what like is sodium it? Sodium bicarbonate.
0: Is it so? I don't think it's sodium bicarbonate. We'll look it up. Because you can eat baking soda. If you eat natron, you will die. Really? You I, will die. I read about this thing. This company in Egypt. And this is like 20 years ago okay. when I first started going to Egypt. And this whole family over Ramadan died because they put the wrong, the wrong oh. kind of salt was in the salt packet, and they put it all over the food, and. And they all died because it was like a natron type salt that's instead terrifying. of a sodium chloride type salt. Um, I know I made you yawn when you, you look did, at somebody. Yeah. When you look at somebody I who's you yawning, yawn. then then what you is have it? to yawn.
1: So uh, natron is a naturally occurring uh, mixture of sodium carbonate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a kind of soda ash. Yeah, so that's why because it's like potash. Then yes. yeah, seventeen mm-hmm. percent sodium bicarbonate, also known baking soda, yeah. uh, along with small quantities of sodium chloride and sodium salt.
0: So it's the sodium sulfate that kills you? Probably. How kill these people? Um, I do not know, but salt. So you can mummify if Mm -hmm. you're wealthy. I
1: think so.
0: Um, And and use it for cooking. And then there's other things like red and yellow ochre. Yeah. Oh, yeah, pigments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's orpiment, arsenic uh, pigments, uh, or orpiment and realgar, which are nice bright colors to paint with. Um, there's uh, gypsum,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you can make plaster. Plaster. Um, what else can you get from the desert? There's desert animals that you could eat, antelope mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, yeah, mm, yeah. So there, many there's mineral resources. So many things one can sell, and of course, there's gold.
1: Gold. So, yeah, oh, we didn't <laughs> even touch upon gold. The gold and yeah, silver. copper, and gold, silver yeah. too. Yeah. No. Oh, I don't know about iron. Later on, mm,
0: there's iron everywhere, in a sense, I as I have true. been taught. There's iron everywhere. It's whether or not you have the technology to get to at it, it. Yeah. from the rock, oh. um, as as I understand yeah. it. But so, no yeah, t-
1: no tin though. No or tin small, or small, very small bits of tin. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, major. Okay, amethyst. What else? Other stones? Hmm. No other. I can't think of any other precious gems. Carnelian, lapis lazuli. You have to bring lapis in. Comes from Afghanistan.
0: From A- yeah, Central Asia. We think.
1: Badakhshan region. Mm-hmm.
0: That's the closest mine. Yeah. And, yeah, so yeah. The, I mean, the, think of
1: like anything on King Tut's, like pectorals. Like those are all those gems, glass stuff to make glass, mm-hmm. so silica. silica yeah, so that's true. To make to melt for making glass, right? clays, steatite, steatites. All these different clays, mm-hmm. you know, marl.
0: And you can tell if a clay is mm-hmm. a marl clay from the desert or a Nile silk, silk yeah. clay. And one is more the black and red the and the prettier. other one is... Yeah, it is. It's, it's a finer, lighter, yeah. lighter, finer. So they like would grain. bring in clays from the desert to have yep. a nice finer pottery. True.
1: So, yeah. So, I mean, really self-sufficient. You don't really need... As we'll talk about in a bit, but maybe just trees. Yeah, <laughs> trees and tin are like the That's only like the things only thing you thing have you to bring
0: in. You don't need people. No. There's more people in Egypt than, than you need. There's underemployment in mm-hmm. Egypt. And you can draft people into labor with impunity. So you don't need to bring in enslaved peoples either. No. Um, you've got enough women um not a shortage there you've got a ton of animals. Lots it of is food it's yeah. It's a wealthy place that's and then we get to the other part of the geography, which maybe you're getting to mm-hmm. that it's protected on all four sides no. No, let's I talk mean about what it. do you see that that well so that i mean does. it's
1: I mean people always ask you know why does Egypt last for thousands of years as yeah. like a you know a a pretty much continuous
0: and separate? And unique, s- unique kind of place. you know,
1: place. And I think one of the reasons is its geography placing it. It's bounded on two sides by one side by a major desert, right? The Sahara to the to the um, west, west. Yeah. the eastern desert, still a major blockage. But then you also besides the rivers are besides the deserts, you have seas. Yeah. Also, yeah. you know, the Red Sea and the Mediterranean yeah. are harder to tra- tra- traverse than just walking. Yeah. Getting from West Asia into Egypt, you have to go through a desert of the Sinai. And it's a blockage, right? It's a narrowing point, so Mm -hmm. it'd be easier to defend. Right. Um, From the south, more cataracts, cataracts blocking, making it harder to sail upstream, uh, or downstream, I should say, actually. In a narrow Um, river channel, easier to watch. Yeah, the desert's more closer into the river. I think it's harder to... Mm -hmm. Yeah, Egypt's pretty well... Protected and f- naturally fortified against right. its neighbors, um, I think the people who have the easiest time at it, I would say, would be Nubia, Nubia, Nubians. Yeah, f- traditionally, but and then much later when you have more sea seafaring and.
0: What do you mean the Nubians have the easiest time of?
1: Of like anyone to invade? Oh, I yeah, think.
0: but they're the ones who get invaded. Yes, instead, first. so right. So all of those on, people, yeah. you know, starting... As soon as Egyptian civilization becomes a thing, as soon as kingship becomes a thing, Nubia will become an invaded thing. Yeah. And, and it, it does have its own separate culture, its own separate mm-hmm. space, but it, as soon as Egypt has strength, it will go and exploit that yeah. other place. Yeah, They'll, but, They try to do the same with the Levant, but the Levant is more...
1: Decentralized.
0: Decentralized, exactly. And yeah. so it's harder to just... Monolithically go in and take something, which mm-hmm. you can do well, and in because Nubia, the Nile. Yes,
1: in Egypt, it makes for a very centralized mm-hmm. this long line. Well, now you're so you're leading
0: up to my favorite point, yeah, which is that this long line, this artery, delta, mm-hmm. accepted the delta yeah. is its own. Well, and different the delta thing. kind
1: of remains
0: a little being, confusing. A little
1: confusing. It's arguably when it kind of comes under firm control mm-hmm. in you know. Early dynastic Egypt. When exactly it is actually part of a united Egypt? But it's an, it invaded away. and
0: brought together mm-hmm. by somebody on the outside. It's not the Delta that's going to mm-hmm. unify itself. It's always from
1: someone from the south. Always
0: from somebody else, because the Delta is not geographically as prone to as unification to organically. Yeah. Whereas the Nile Valley is quite prone to an yeah. organic to send unification. Word down the line.
1: Yeah, you don't need to send word. Omnidirectionally,
0: and you can send out your your ships with your army dudes. Just go up and down, go upstream, go downstream, and you can unify vast areas of of farmland along the Nile right there really quickly, Mm -hmm. and make deals and negotiate, broker things, and be like, okay, I'm going to give you this much. You're going to work for me, and okay, we got it. We got you can you can unify all of Upper Egypt into a nice tight authoritarian unit. Yep over generations and kick the shit out of the Delta, which is arguably the first thing that was colonized Mm -hmm. by the Upper Egyptians. Yeah. And it's not
1: until much later when we're more of a Mediterranean focused Mm -hmm. that the Delta then becomes its own renaissance, its own uh, high point. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So it's naturally protected, I think. And then, yeah, it's not until much later that we have our first invasions, right?
0: Iron Age. Yeah. Iron Age, Age of Empires, that's when you get all of your invasions, and that's yeah. when e- Egypt's never really able to have native control. Mm-hmm. There's a limited native control of I mean, is the 26th dynasty native control? Yeah. Arguably yes, arguably no. We can but 28th, 29th, 30th dynasties last you know, 150 years or something. And then mm-hmm. before that you had imperial forces in there. After that, you're gonna have imperial yeah. forces. And one could argue that while Egypt has native rule right now. The amount of economic imperialism is considerable. Yeah. So it's um, it's a place that now everyone wants a piece of it. And mm-hmm. it's so interesting to see that because of its geographic wealth, including that gold mm-hmm. and silver, electrum, all of those minerals, all of the things that it could build, everyone
1: wants a piece of Egypt. Af- all of Africa right now. Yes. If you look more globally even, like when we were in Ethiopia, like it was China, it was everywhere. Right. Because right. they have all those like weird metals that you need for computer chips mm-hmm. and other things. It's just, it's a new type of colonialism.
0: So people are going in with their corporate colonialism mm-hmm. to take a piece of Egypt. Exploit. And then there's the cultural colonialism where people want to claim ancient Egypt. Yep. And you have Europeans saying Egypt is the origin of European ancient civilization. Mm-hmm. And you have... Africans saying that Egypt is the origins of an African civilization and West Asians (laughs) saying the same. And it's super complicated. But Egypt is so sexy Mm -hmm. um, and so wealthy, so alluring and so continuous. It is the place that really invents and perfects the divine kingship Mm -hmm. because of its geography. um, That, you know, it seduces great leaders like Julius Caesar and Mark Antony. Alexander they wanna, had to before that. He Alexander, just, you yeah, know, yeah, kept
1: going east, but nope. he had to swoop down and take Egypt. It was and go to Siwa to go out of his way. Yeah, and then go he goes Egypt. to Siwa to go yep. to
0: the Amun Oracle to to justify mm, his taking Alman. over of the world. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it wasn't like necessary, Mm-mm. right? You could have just kept going. Absolutely
0: not. But ideologically, it was certainly yes, necessary. Very
1: important. Another fun thing to touch upon too. So, what were the environmental dangers? out there for an ancient Egyptian. I can think of, you know, animals, temperature, talk about weather, disease. Oh my
0: god, there's so many things. So, um, I mean, just start with the water of yeah. the Nile. Water. What, what does that do?
1: I mean, depending on what's in it, like, disease-wise, right? Yeah. You could get cholera, typhoid. If
0: it's stagnant and it's like your it trapped water that you're good keeping for you. near a village. Yeah. yeah, cholera, typhoid, no problem.
1: Any other warm, waterborne illnesses? I don't know if they had, like, hep Hepatitis, hepatitis things back have.
0: then yeah and then bilizaria oh yeah and um what's the other one any type
1: of um, um like protos, yes any type of protozoa so, uh, yeah braid flesh eating things yeah things probably. that pass the blood
0: brain barrier yeah. and then eat eat your brain amoebas mm-hmm. um
1: <laughs> well because like animals die people go to the bathroom yeah. in There's the water all kinds and, of gross yeah.
0: bacteria in that water um, and, and most people, I think, live there, would have had natural immunity, bit. would have been able to handle it. But also most people would have had parasites oh, yeah. living As in their system in extensive numbers. Probably and everyone had worms. Everyone had worms. Yeah. It was It was how bad your worms are, mm-hmm. not if you had worms. Yeah.
1: And it was probably like everyone had worms, but if you had like some other illness going on, then the worms would like
0: and everyone had malaria. Yes, right? Everyone had malaria. So it was a question of how bad your malarial fevers were not if you got malaria. No. So that, you know,
1: yeah, all the mosquito-borne illnesses yep. you can think of, all the
0: intestinal things yeah. and apparently cholera didn't come in as cholera until yeah. later, but that's fine. Cholera, typhoid like stuff that makes gives you diarrhea. <laughs> that can take out a third of a village and diarrhea kill all the kids. things. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and
1: yeah, weird animal crossover illnesses. Mm-hmm. I don't uh,
0: know
1: when like, like, like smallpox what are you comes of? Smallpox, in. yeah, it's debated when smallpox arrives. But there's all these
0: bodies covered with pustules that yeah. look smallpox-like. So people argue, so. some people
1: argue they're other things, but okay, fine. But I've it looks yeah, I've, I don't know. I guess you'd have to, but, but yeah, I know, like, having
0: that livestock around you're going to get crazy shit. Yeah. And bats, Egyptians bats. have bats. Why do they not have a higher? There is a hieroglyph for a bat. I have heard this, but they don't do a lot with the bat. It's like the bat is unmentionable I
1: and undepictable. Like, yeah, depictable. it's in a very liminal yes space. In the they
0: don't want to have, and there. the bats are there every time you go into a tomb. Mm-hmm. There's bats. It there. smells
1: like guano. Yes, and cactus. The, <laughs> the pyramids
0: at Dahshur all smell like guano, but mm-hmm. they never talk about them. It's like the, it's like he who must not be mentioned. Yeah. The bat.
1: Yeah, it's you think it would appear in like some of the underworld books or something? They like take this.
0: all of the other fearsome creatures, like which we should head here next, but like the crocodile and the hippo, yeah. right? Super dangerous. To ha- they live in the Nile. The, the hippo can snatch a child from the riverbanks. They tell us, crocodile too, and it's so common that if you die in the river, you're, you're just like Meh. you're kind of sainted, right? You get like forever. Be afterlife. really an easy
1: way to hide a body. If you but, murdered someone and just threw them in the river and you're like, oh, a hippo got them. Oh, well, yeah.
0: There's that 21st dynasty yeah, yeah. late um, Ramessid text in which like, they're like, take those them. policemen that know too much, have them murdered, and throw them in the Put river. Put them in a sack in the river. It's brilliant. Done. But, but my my point about the bat is that if the Egyptians are so good at taking this fearsome hippo mm-hmm. and turning it into a goddess who protects the w- mother in childbirth mm-hmm. and taking the fearsome crocodile and turning it into Sobek, who is fertility and the Nile Flood Still, and all yeah, of these powerful things.
1: Protector. Why
0: don't they do that with the bat?
1: You're right. This is interesting.
0: They they divinize the freaking shrew. They yeah. divinize <laughs> like all kinds of things. They don't divinize mice, do they?
1: You see little votive offering. I guess they're kind of shrew-like looking though.
0: But they don't divinize mice. No. There's no mice goddesses. Maybe it's or that goddesses. they're too
1: small and mm. you feel like they just... They divinize really the beetle. It's true. And like bees. Yeah you know yes. bt it
0: would be fun to do an article on the the animals that egypt forgot or that yeah. egypt didn't couldn't Choose mention to focus on. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: bats are interesting cuz it's like they're mammals mm-hmm. but they fly so and, i feel and like they'd be scary like scary shit they're scary yeah they bite they like bite they cattle a lot sometimes. they i don't know well it'd be interesting to see what type of bats live in egypt naturally mm-hmm. are they more fruit bats or are they more um like carnivores, I don't know. Somebody some get before, on it. It
0: so. seems an interesting
1: because I know like research. some like bats like actually like suck like cows' blood and stuff. So they'd be like attached to a cow's neck. Oh god! But some would just eat fruit. How so do then you know like this? I don't know. I watch a lot of you <laughs> It's horrible. Like nature documentaries.
0: I don't like watching nature documentaries. I'm like, oh, the lion yeah, kill. I'm, like I'm not watching that. Sometimes
1: they are like, you're like, oh, it's like too real.
0: Though when, when we shot for out of Egypt, we shot a Ramadan, mm-hmm. not a Ramadan, an Eid al-Adha, mm-hmm. sacrifice of the animal. Oof. And they did it right in front of us. Oof. And I saw them cut the goat's neck and he bled. And two of the camera guys almost fainted. And I was like, oh, wow, look. And I had no problem seeing that. So I don't, I
1: don't know if I, you know,
0: I can't say that I'm too squeamish. You would have been fine.
1: It was know. a quick death for
0: the Yeah, I know that. I just,
1: like, I think it's just something you have to grow up with. Like, people who hunt. I don't grow up with, I didn't grow I know. up with this. I
0: never saw this. It was the You're first just animal just I've ever said, seen killed in front of me. It,
1: it, it was, um. I don't mind, like, watching, like, people get cut open. And... <laughs> In a in a movie or like no like even like when we were like at a dermatologist's office or stuff like oh no I can't watch that pimple popping and all that like needles and no my husband's mother loves watching the pimple popping yeah and I can't
0: I can't watch that Um, I
1: don't know about watching an animal it would just depend I I don't know I think it would just depend on how and I you love the animals. I love the animals so I think just like watching it's life yeah I don't really care about people (laughs) but like that's what movies like if an animal dies in a movie I'm like. I lose it. But if a person dies, I'm like, eh, I don't care. Like the horses, the horses. Because I think animals are all totally faultless and blameless and humans suck.
0: There's all kinds of books written about the animals of ancient Egypt. And one mm-hmm. of the most accessible ones is written by a dude named Patrick Houlihan. Yes. Animals mm-hmm. of ancient Egypt. He wrote a bird one. Birds yes, there's one birds. Too. And yeah?
1: they have really cool illustrations. Yeah. Good illustrations. Yeah. So
0: And, and so much of the Egyptian hieroglyphic system is yeah. based on their geography so the world around them and it doesn't change they're like we're going to do space. it this way we're going to keep the birds we're going to keep these birds for thousands of yep. years and you can actually prove that some of the animals that their hieroglyphs are based on had gone extinct mm-hmm. from human expansion and growth by the time they were
1: now. written
0: down in the new kingdom they were they were extinct yeah. like the like the leopard or yeah something. yeah certain yeah. Like, more savanna mm-hmm.
1: animals that you don't see in egypt exactly but were there in the pre-dynastic, yes. pre dynastic, like a pre
0: patriarchal sort
1: of yeah. cultural this memory. Yeah. Dominant, yeah. Cool. Okay, so so other dangers we have snakes, scorpions. Poisonous snakes, Scorpions.
0: We already um, mentioned the mosquito, the most dangerous yeah, animal in the savanna. Most dangerous. Not the savanna, mosquitoes have yeah.
1: killed more humans than anything else. Really? Yeah, because of all the diseases they carry. Yeah. Um, what else is there? Dangerous. we, um, hippos, crocodiles? Yeah. I mean, Birds are really occasional, dangerous. like maybe very early on, some like big cats maybe yeah. that were still lingering about.
0: But the lions seem to really have gone extinct by. Pretty early. Yeah.
1: Probably like 5,000.
0: I mean, they still. They and, still are and in Amenhotep the third yeah, Or hunting. is it is the third Amenhotep I think he yeah. has his lion hunt.
1: Wasn't that in Syria though, when he's on campaign? Because there's still Syrian lions. There's the Asian lions. Oh, okay. He went, that was part of his. But there's still like the trope of the king going to hunt
0: yeah. lions. Yeah. The so they probably kept some lions alive for a while. But there's still knows?
1: lions in like the um, Sahara Desert in certain yeah. spots. So there put, could have been some. It's amazing. Outliers. Gets elephants too, maybe. Elephants could stomp on someone.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I. Abu, know th- the name of Elephantine, is after the elephant yeah. because of the shape of the rocks. It's like yeah. an elephant-shaped thing. But it's also close there to where elephants are. But I North think they're African extinct for the most part. African elephant species that the
1: Romans caused to go extinct. They were a smaller one.
0: Right. I've heard this. From I've taking this. to
1: Colosseum for games. I'm not
0: so good with the wildlife, Cordo. It's but not my strength. But I think that was strength. more of
1: a West-North Africa Okay. I don't know how what its extent was, but I
0: don't. I think Egypt had access to elephants yeah. within reasonably close geographic yeah, distance, but Sudan, they didn't Ethiopia. have them within Egypt proper.
1: Yeah, at least for most of pharaonic Egypt, maybe yeah. very early. Maybe because there's elephants at like Hieracopolis buried around That's baboons, right. but whether they're imported, they had a zoo. They had that that Hieracopolis information is a yeah. freaking
0: zoo, yeah. and so many of the animals show that they were bound mm-hmm. and that they were Perry abused, yeah, and
1: abused, but healed. So, like, it's maybe beaten, worse. but also healed. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe some monkey. Mm-hmm.
0: They had a lion, chymed. didn't they? Yeah, they had a lion. And, of course, Salima found that lion. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. in, where, where did Salima find the lion? Can you Google that? It was on that documentary from Saqqara. It was found in, the, in one of the animal... Later. Animal burials, and it was a baby lion. Yeah. It was and small. probably a baby lion that was bred in captivity. So
1: they probably rearing some yes. of these animals. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it had the fur of the. So it, we're thinking yeah, like crazy. ancient
1: Egypt Joe exotic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've not seen that. And I'm not going <laughs> Don't, to. Don't. It's insane.
1: Um, so we have all these animals that could bring harm. Temperature gets really hot there. Gets really cold. Gets really cold. Weather, not too much weather. No, there's the so scene really winds about... in the
0: fifth month yeah, of I the year. Yeah, I guess you have a
1: sandstorm here or there. Yeah,
0: so you can have a sandstorm, but, you know, near the, and you might have a sum of it in, in the inundation lands, but it's not going to be like it is out in yeah, the desert. but
1: you're not getting like a hurricane or anything like this no,
0: popping up. No, no.
1: Not the locale. No. Talk about disease. seas. So those are kind of the mm-hmm. environmental dangers. Um, earthquakes. Earthquakes, yes. Egypt does get earthquakes. Does get I have earthquakes not ever
0: experienced one in Egypt, but people talk about the it earthquake is of very ninety-five close to the, and
1: to that big fault, the Rift Valley fault. Well, and the Sinai is slowly mm-hmm, um, Israel slamming.
0: Stuff. Wait, the Sinai is coming away and going up to West Asia. Is that right? Or the is Red it going Sea the other is way. widening. The Red Sea think is widening. I the fault goes yes. right through the Red Sea there. Yeah. So you can and have that some does move
1: that micro does move. faults yeah. through Egypt. Yeah, and that Rift Valley. So like Somalia and stuff is like splitting, falling off. Yeah splitting away from Africa. Okay, so we've kind of tangentially talked about this, but I want to get into it more. So how the environment affected or influenced it was tied to the ideology of the ancient Egyptians. So we talked about, you know, a lot of the gods being, having animal forms and the hieroglyphs being very animal-based. So I just wanted to talk about some of the ideological ties between Egyptian culture and um, the environment, and I have some topics pulled, like the kind of story of the Nile, where it comes from. It's not yeah. a scientific understanding of how we'd understand it, right? Creation of the world, yeah. Um, Egypt's
0: own Big Bang. All the if gods like.
1: being very connected to nature and the right. environment. Right. All this, all these type of topics, and calendars and festivals, which I feel like we touched mm-hmm. upon a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, the The calendar is interesting. So you have your, your seasonal calendar. Mm-hmm. You also have your lunar calendar. Yeah. Um, you have a I stellar lunar calendar. calendar.
1: Lunar calendar is beautiful. I just love it, too, because it's, it's very feminine. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I always like that it's very in touch with us.
0: Yeah, and and what happens to us every month
1: mm-hmm.
0: in control and the the months of the childbearing and all of these things, and yet they give it to male gods. <laughs> In Egypt, in only Egypt. in Egypt, yeah. only in Egypt, and they pick Thoth, whose beak is moon shaped, and then they give it to the baboon. Strangely, mm-hmm. though, though Thoth baboon shaped is more of a solar worshipping being. Yes,
1: because he's sunny. Yes, himself.
0: in the morning sun, then he is a lunar being, but he's still associated with Thoth, which is the master of the lunar calendar and writing. Um, but yeah,
1: well, could I? I don't know too much about the moon in Egyptian religion, but could the moon be seen almost like the, the sun at night or a type of sun at night? He's like a son
0: of the sun. So if yeah. Amun-Re in the Theban triad is the male god and his son khonsu is mm-hmm. the moon god, then it's the son of the sun, the offspring of the It's still bright.
1: It's still, still light emitting. Mm-hmm. But, but in, it disappears. And unlike reappears. so many other
0: parts of the world where the moon is the feminine principle mm-hmm. and the sun is the masculine principle and the two are a partnership and they trade out. You instead get uh, the both, both of miles. them are are masculine. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that that's a patriarchal imposition because I, I dare say these things were pre-patriarchal and then taken on yeah. um, into a, a patriarchy once that formed pretty late. Uh, around 5000 BCE or something like that, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe not that early, maybe 4500 or something like that. But you know the the way the Egyptians work with the ideology uh, of the geography around them is as complicated and ambivalent as it could possibly be and what I mean by that is in some ways it's animist. It's like Mm -hmm. the river is a divinity and must be protected Mm -hmm. and and we live in a sustainable reality with it, and yet you try to control it, mm-hmm. and you you try to create rituals that make the river do certain things, and then you you um, a, create channels, and you create the nylometer, yeah, and you're, a you're marking it.
1: Symbiotic relationship.
0: Yeah, it's symbiotic, but it's you know it's like um, the Egyptians like to control their environment, mm-hmm. even existing in an environment that. Really rebelled against being controlled, mm-hmm. so they would build with stone in places that would be flooded.
1: Yeah, where mud brick wouldn't last.
0: Exactly, and so you're you're trying to control the uncontrollable, and there's this constant tension going on between an environment that is ever shifting that the Egyptians are ever trying to to make permanent, mm-hmm. and it's a very human wish yeah, fighting their yeah fighting their their mortality, fighting mm-hmm. the change. And in some ways, we love Egypt for that because it seems that they're winning.
1: Yeah, and it's what's left over for us to study. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: we have the pyramids, you know, 50 stories tall. They have won, the Egyptians. They they defeated Mother Nature, in a sense, or controlled their resources to such an mm-hmm. extent that it, it created this massive monumental structure that still is there for us to yeah. look at. in the temples, Karnak and Luxor and all of these places, Dendra. Um, but... So it's, it's confusing to me whether or not it's... It's almost like Egypt is hyper-modern mm-hmm. in that, like we are, where our dams control all our rivers yep. and our, our Army Corps of Engineers goes out there and makes sure that, you know, the nature is kept at bay yeah. and our cities are safe or whatever. And yet at the same time, there's this deep cultural memory of how special Egypt is geographically and how much it controls them that they dip into Mm -hmm. and don't try to control. Or that
1: it's preserved, unchanged in their ideology. But then, like, in the real world, they're making canals and fighting it and doing all these things. But ideologically, it, it has this conservative or more symbiotic, I think, relationship shown versus lived existence was maybe a little bit more adversarial
0: here is where I think the linchpin is in that the geography lends itself to kingship Mm -hmm. the geography lends itself to an easy authoritarianism compared to other parts of the world and so you create an ideology where the guys in control are like the gods want us to be here look at all of this Mm -hmm. and everyone's like yeah it looks like that to me too or I'm making the good
1: floods come because I'm being a good king. And
0: And more good floods than bad because Mm -hmm. of the way that geography works. It creates a positive feedback loop in which everyone is drinking the Kool-Aid and going, yep, this geography wants this king to be here. This Mm -hmm. geography wants me to be a lowly sharecropper. Because he's a god. Because he is a god. And so it allows a a minority of people to control it rather easily Mm -hmm. with nice ships and wood, cedar wood they bring in from the Lebanon, to go up and down and have control and and get all the scarce resources and get all the labor and get their scribes out there to pull out resources and so it's it's a confusing thing.
1: Yeah, that it seems almost hypocritical, but it It
0: does. That you are living with the nature and the nature is what allows me to be king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's super confusing. But that's the that's one of the coolest parts of about Egypt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that's it for part one. We hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned in two weeks for part two.
0: Thank you to our listeners for your support and for subscribing wherever you listen. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with others and leave us a five-star review. Send us your questions related to the show and topic suggestions for future episodes to caracuni at gmail.com. You can find the show notes in the podcast section of my website, KarakuniEgyptologist.com. For that, thank you, Amber Myers-Wells. There, you'll also find info on my books and upcoming lectures. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to keep up on the latest news and content from me. Check out the conversations that happen after the podcast mic is turned off by subscribing to our Substack, Afterlives After Lives After Party. You can find me on Facebook at Kara Cooney Egyptologist and on Twitter and Instagram at Kara Cooney. See you next time on After Lives with Kara Cooney.